Hello, dear listeners. This podcast has reached its final episode. I've started a new podcast titled Build Your English, which you can find at patreon.com slash buildyourenglish. There, you can access your weekly free episode and its transcript. I hope to see you there. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Study with Cambridge Exam Coach a podcast in which I help you learn collocations in English. The concept is simple. I study collocations every day for about 30 minutes, and twice a week I'll share with you some of the things I've learned. All this is done to help you speak and write English in a more natural and accurate way. Every episode contains 20 to 25 collocations, but if you really want to learn 50 collocations a week, you should study and revise afterwards. I personally study with help from the English in Use textbook series from Cambridge University Press and also the Oxford Collocations Dictionary. And last but not least, I use Google Search. I usually get the example sentences from these specific resources and quite often I make them more personal. So, if you want to join me and learn 50 collocations a week, I highly recommend that you get access to these resources. Also, you need a notebook in which you can write down the collocations that we study in this podcast series, as well as any others that you come across elsewhere. All right then, now let's dive into today's topic, grammatical categories of collocations. So, what types of collocations are there? Well, The easy answer is that there are many different types of collocation. And in this episode, we're going to look at some of them. We've got adjective and noun, verb and adverb, noun and verb, verb and noun, adverb and adjective, noun and noun, and finally, verbs and expressions with prepositions. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about all these categories. For each one, I'll give you plenty of examples. Now, there's one thing I'd like to point out. Sometimes you can use rules or guidelines to remember which words go and don't go together. But to be honest with you, I'm not an advocate of learning rules when studying collocations. I'm a big fan of making them your own by using them. So write them down Say them out loud and use them with your friends. I'll give you an example. When I'm in doubt and I don't have time to look up the answer, I always ask myself, hmm, does this sound right? And the best way to get a clear answer to this question is to use collocations whenever you can. Yeah? Finally, Of course, we all understand that you cannot learn every collocation that exists. So ultimately, you have to decide for yourself which collocations are essential for you. All right then. Let's start with the first category on my list. Adjectives and nouns. So when you learn English, you need to start noticing adjectives that are typically used with particular nouns. Let me give you some examples. We had a brief chat about the Cambridge exam, but didn't have time to discuss it properly. 
So the collocation here is a brief chat, not a short chat, right? Here's another example sentence. Rising inflation is a major problem for the government at the moment. Right? So two collocations here. Rising inflation and major problem. Improving the country's infrastructure is another key issue for the government. So key issue is here the collocation. And now a personal one. In the morning, I like to drink strong coffee. Not, I like to drink heavy coffee. We don't say that, but I'm sure you know that. This weekend's festival is expected to cause heavy traffic. Heavy traffic, not large traffic. And if you want to get your package delivered today instead of tomorrow, you can opt for express mail. We don't opt for quick mail. Okay? Last but not least, you can describe something in great detail and we don't describe something in big detail. Yeah? We describe something in great detail. So there you go. Some examples of adjectives and nouns. But one moment. I think I've got more. Yeah, I got more. I got more. This is not an idle threat. I will call the police if this happens again. So it, this means this is not simply a threat. This is serious, right? This is not an idle threat. And then here's another one. Let me look at my list of notes. There's mounting concern over the decision to, to do what? To cut spending. Let's say to cut spending on education. Yeah, so there's growing concern over the decision to cut spending on education. We can also say there's mounting criticism or mounting fury. For example, there's mounting fury over the decision to start a war. Last one on my list of notes is the simple truth is that war is the enemy of trade and prosperity. Or we also can use the collocation, the plain truth is that war is the enemy of trade and prosperity. So, loads of examples there for the collocation adjective and noun. Let's move on to nouns and verbs. So again, when you learn English, notice how nouns and verbs often go together. And the examples that I'm going to mention here all have to do with economics and business. So, for example, we can say the economy boomed in the 1990s. Yeah, which means that the economy was very strong. The economy boomed. We can also say the company has grown and now employs 50 more people than last year. So, has grown. The company has grown. And then the company has expanded and now has branches in most major cities. So the company has expanded. Again, collocation, noun, verb. The price increase pos poses, sorry, the price increase poses a problem for us. And poses a problem for us, it means it is a problem for us. Yeah, the price increase poses a problem for us. 
last but not least, prices fall, and we don't say prices descend or anything like that. Prices fall. Unfortunately, right now, I think that prices are rising and rising and rising, so they are not falling at the moment. Anyway, uh, two more advanced collocations here for a noun and verb. Uh, this is a nice one. I like this one. An opportunity arose for me to work in Prague, so I went and spent three years there. So opportunity plus arise. That's a nice collocation. And another one is standards and slip. So, for example, we can say people feel educational standards slipped when the government cut finances. Yeah? So that relates to my earlier example sentence, if you can remember that. Okay, then. So that was noun and verb. Now we're going to look at verb and noun. So the difference here is that we start with the verb. For example, the collocation to draw up a list, to draw up a list, yeah, or to draw up a contract. Example sentence here is our lawyer draw, not draw, Chris, drew up a contract for us to sign. So our lawyer drew up a contract for us to sign. And if you draw up a contract or a list, it means that you prepare something and it's usually official in writing, yeah? To draw up a list or a contract. Another one here, to pass up a chance or to pass up an opportunity. Now, I'm going to make this example or to create, uh, I'm going to create a negative example here. So I didn't want to pass up the chance of seeing Liam Gallagher in Manchester this summer, so I bought a ticket. Yeah, I didn't want to pass up the chance of seeing Liam Gallagher, Liam, Liam Gallagher <laughs> in Manchester this summer, so I bought a ticket. So it means that I didn't want to fail to take advantage of this opportunity, right? And then another nice collocation, uh, this one is nice, withstand pressure or withstand the impact, withstand. That's a, quite an interesting word to pronounce, withstand. Can you do that? Withstand. Uh, the police officer's vest can withstand the impact of a bullet. It means it can bear it, right? It can withstand the impact of a bullet. Okay. So that was verb and noun. Now we're going to the collocation noun plus noun. And there are a lot of collocations with the pattern a gap of gap. So for example, when Peter saw the pictures of his ex, he felt a surge of anger. Unbelievable, I've got a frock in my throat. <laughs> while I'm recording this podcast, I think I'm going to pause for a moment and then drink a bit of water. One moment. Okay, I drank some water and now I should be fine. Where was I? I said that when Peter saw the pictures of his ex, he felt a surge of anger. A surge of anger. Uh, literally, it means a sudden angry feeling. Another wonderful example 
She felt a sense of pride when her husband thanked her in his speech. She felt a sense of pride when her husband thanked her in his speech. I felt a pang of nostalgia when I heard the song Never Tears Apart by In Excess. So a pang of nostalgia. And then the last one, he got a round of applause, not a bang of applause, but a round of applause after his speech. Yeah, so a pattern or the pattern a gap of something. Sometimes uh, the noun plus noun collocations are used to describe groups or sets. So let me give you a few examples here. There's been a spate of attacks in our area recently. So this means that there's an unusually large number happening in close succession. Yeah, there's been a spate of attacks or a spate of thefts in our area recently. Then we have the minister had to put up with a barrage of questions from the angry audience. A barrage of questions or a barrage of insults from the angry audience. So barrage is like garage, but then with a B and an A at the start uh, instead of a G and A. Yeah, barrage of questions or barrage of insults from the angry audience. And we also have a swarm of bees. You probably know that one. We don't say a herd of bees, but a swarm of bees and bars of soap. Yeah, not bricks of soap. All right then. And noun plus noun collocations used with uncountable nouns. So first we said bricks of soap. So those are countable nouns, nouns right? Uh, or uh, a spade of attacks. But now we have a stroke of luck. By a stroke of luck, I found my keys in the rubbish bin. So that's a sudden, unexpected piece of luck, a stroke of luck. And we also have, she gave me a snippet of information. I like this one. She gave me a snippet of information, which was top secret. Or is it still top secret? That's always interesting to me, this uh, sentence where part is in the past and then the secret is still secret, right? So, which is still secret? Hmm, interesting. That's uh, something else for another episode. Anyway, uh, I wrote here in my notes, she gave me a snippet of information, which is top secret. And a snippet of information, of course, is a small piece of information. All right, then. Now, we've got my favorite one. Uh, verbs and expressions with prepositions. Uh, prepositions are really my weak point. I mean, I've got <laughs> a few weak points, but prepositions in English, uh, collocation with prepositions, that's really something that I... Oh my God, don't get me started. Anyway, some verbs collocate with particular prepositional expressions. And I wrote down some example sentences in my notes. And the first one is, as Jane went on stage to receive her gold medal, you could see her parents swelling with pride. And it means looking extremely proud. So this is a typical example of 
uh, verb and expression with preposition. So swelling with pride, looking extremely proud. Another one often used in Sherlock Holmes uh, stories is I was filled with horror when I read the newspaper report of the invasion. I was filled with horror when I read the newspaper report of the invasion. So filled with horror. And the last one that I wrote down here is when she spilled lemonade on her new skirt, the little girl burst into tears. And that means she suddenly started crying. So burst into tears. All right then. Next one. Verbs and adverbs. Now, this is a particular type of collocation that I really like. It makes your English more colorful, more lively, if you can use adverbs with verbs and adverbs with adjectives. Yeah, I'll give you plenty of examples in the next five minutes. So here we go. Some verbs have particular adverbs which regularly collocate with them. Here's an example sentence. She pulled steadily on the rope and helped him to safety. It means that she pulled firmly and evenly. So she pulled steadily on the rope. Next one. He placed a beautiful vase or is it vase? I think vase is British English and vase is American English. So he placed the beautiful vase gently on the window ledge to place something gently on something else. Yeah. Next sentence. I love you and want to marry you. Adam whispered softly to Eve. I love you and I want to marry you. Whispered softly. That is the collocation we're looking for here. Verb and an adverb. He whispered softly. My mother smiled proudly as she looked at the photos of her new grandsons. To smile proudly. And the next example is a personal one. When I bought my new smartphone, I chose wisely. Not I chose smartly, but I chose wisely. Gender equality is something she feels strongly about. So not she feels powerfully about, but she feels strongly about. Yeah, it's important to her. And the last one, I don't like to travel with my brother because he drives recklessly, wildly, without care, to drive recklessly. So, those were some examples of verbs and adverbs collocations. Let's go to the last uh, group of collocations grammatical category as they say in the books so adverbs and adjectives now adjectives often have particular adverbs which regularly collocate with them right so for example happily married not gladly married right they are happily married we don't say they are gladly married uh, i'm fully aware that there are serious problems i'm fully aware not i'm completely aware Harry was blissfully unaware that he was in danger. Is that Harry Potter? <laughs> I don't know. Harry was blissfully unaware that he was in danger. Harry had no idea at all. Often used about something unpleasant. 
It's partly cloudy today. Not slightly cloudy, but partly cloudy. Yeah. And wow, you just gave me 100,000 euros. That's highly generous of you. Not greatly generous, but highly generous. And last but not least, she's a stunningly attractive woman. He said to himself before falling asleep. She's a stunningly attractive woman. Okay then, that's it for this episode. I hope you didn't fall asleep. I know, I know, um, we're still laying the bricks for a strong foundation in these first episodes about collocations in English. But I hope I've given you plenty of useful examples. And I promise you that later in this series, I'll create episodes on a particular topic, such as business or meetings or travel, sport, and so on and so on. I mean, the list is endless, right? Anyway, before we do that, in the next episode, we're going to be talking about register. So register, what's that? Uh, Let me give you an example. So let's say that somebody that you know, uh, a close friend, for example, hosts a party. You could say, hey, man, thanks for the party. It was a blast, right? It was a blast. That's very informal. However, if, for example, your boss, your boss was the host, you would probably say, thank you for the party or thanks for the party. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's neutral. So in this example, neutral and very informal are both examples of register. All right, then. I've got nothing left to say, except that I hope you take care of yourself and each other, of course, and be sure to tune in to the next episode. Okay? Cheers! Oh, and one more thing. You might have heard that I have a new podcast. It's called Build Your English. Every week, from Monday to Friday, I publish 10-minute lessons that teach English in a fun and effective way. I talk about all sorts of topics, from everyday subjects like food, travel, books, and language learning, to more serious ones like history, politics, culture, and even philosophy. The episodes are spoken at a speed you can understand and come with downloadable mp3 files and pdf transcripts. So by dedicating just 10 minutes a day to our lessons, you won't just see improvements in your English, you'll also enjoy the learning journey. I invite you to listen to an episode and see for yourself. patreon.com slash buildyourenglish patreon.com slash buildyourenglish